0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on SiriusXM XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome to the show from Parts Unknown. He looks like he's prepping for the Armageddon that is upon us. Uh, yes, he's got his lumberjack shirt on. I think he's chopping wood to make sure there's enough fire to last through the whole entire winter. He's got on his skull cap because that's what people do. When they're prepping, I think. Let me welcome, he is uh, Stand Up with Pete, the podcast that won't quit. You can go get it any place and also go check him out uh, on his Patreon. I think we'll talk about that. Let me welcome Pete Dominic. Karen, great to be here reporting to you from the shed on the front. Yes,
1: here in the suburbs where Fox News reigns and I hide in the shed as uh, to not let anybody know what I think about anything in the
0: world. Mm -hmm. And back to you. Okay. I'm okay. I I caught it. And then I have questions because when I, when you first built this shed, it was very sparse. Now it's like mad junkie. Like I'm trying to figure out, like you got stuff on the walls. Look like you got some skis. looks like you got some sort of net to I don't know, capture butterflies. I'm not sure what's happening. You got a bunch of That's happening? A lacrosse stick. Oh, lacrosse stick. OK, look, <laughs>
1: that is a lacrosse stick made by the hands of an Iroquois native uh, tribal American where I grew up. It was a gift to me. Oh, OK. And right. you said it was junky in my. I'm shed. sorry, but I didn't mean just,
0: that. Did that come out loud? I Damn, see, you know like what? Day i be thinking things. I'll be thinking oh, things. And then it just comes out my mouth. I don't even, I, I didn't mean to say that out loud. That was in my head. Thank so ah, it's going to be one of those days. All right, y'all prepare. Everything here is signaling who I am. Okay. The
1: books, the lacrosse stick, the skis, the shirt. Yes, I am doing a little repair over here. It does look a little junky. You're right. All but right. I have a, a shirt that my friend, Karen Madison, who I believe listens to your show. She I gave care. me, she made fun of me at one point. I said I was I was like Batman, and she said you are like Robin. And she sent oh, me. Oh, a-
0: okay. That's what. That's a Robin outfit, like a T-shirt. Right. Okay, okay. I am Robin. Um, Great to
1: see you. Thank good, you for having me.
0: Good to be seen. Thank you for for joining us today. I appreciate you. You make me smile. Um, I got a bunch of stuff that I want to talk with you about because there are things I don't necessarily bring to this platform because you know, I'm very intentional. But it's Friday. So I don't talk much about Trump, if at all, unless I'm interviewing his niece and she'll probably be back. You know, I was just on her podcast, Mary Trump. I was um, like
1: in the audience. I was in the audience watching you. Were you? Yeah, I was. And I jumped in the chat and tried to get your attention. I literally was in the audience in the no. chat, jumping up and down, waving at you going, Karen, 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 it's me, it's me, Karen, it's me. Karen, you're doing a good job on Mary Trump's show. Hey, Karen. Oh. Hey, Karen. Nothing, nothing, no. nothing
0: think I was the only one in the chat so I'm calling BS you know the chat's a little bit behind the rest of us so I was trying to pay attention you know at the same time and and chat at the same you know I am multitask which is well I should hard. mention
1: my my chat name is David Webb 775 oh but- okay that's
0: probably why I completely ignored it that that would get you ignored like quickly yeah. that that anyway. was your mistake yes anyway yeah. awkward <laughs> is it though? are we not did I say that out loud okay listen Uh, Are you following this Daily Wire, uh, Stephen Crowder? Because I thought about you today as somebody who has his own platform that you monetize and create uh, a livelihood for yourself, which people can get to how? Tell them.
1: Yeah. Stand Up with Pete Dominic is my daily podcast. I host it. I book it. I edit it. I produce it every day out of my lumberjack shed. Here in just north of New York City, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. But I get yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts about this situation. A lot of thoughts. My main and and you know my main outrage lies around the idea of really untalented people making yes. a lot more money than me, and realizing that I'll never be able to do what they do because eh, I won't just sell anything. But more importantly, like you know, sponsor wise. But more importantly, I won't say anything and i certainly won't say things i i don't believe and i most importantly won't do what a lot of popular people do which is try to get people outraged purposely because that's what generates more viewers more mm-hmm. clicks more mm-hmm. engagement more subscribers more money it there's no way about it but i can't do that i just i wouldn't be i can't sleep at this night is, if i were to be. this that is guy.
0: why you're on this show um and i notice about you there's an it's called integrity pete dominic it's called integrity yeah uh, which which is is it's not is not very uh, oh, abundant today among people who produce content and including those that are on networks on on cable outlets there's no integrity with the producers there i in i i don't struggle with this at all because i'm creating the world in which i want to live right so that is a long game approach that Uh, requires patience and sitting in the soil and two by two, four by four, word of mouth, not, not, um, not trying to chase the algorithms or the dollars, but just really produce content that feeds people. So, so information and also feeds their soul. So, you know, there's, there's, um, I, I feel like just like when Oprah had that period of time where she wasn't number one because the world was doing, you know, throwing chairs and you are not the father. And that became like the way, because this was the beginning. I remember it was the 90s, the late 90s, early 2000s, when Oprah fell from grace, fell from number one because she refused to do that. And she stayed the course, even though she slipped two and three behind people like, you know, Jenny Jones and Ricky Lake and, you know, folk like that. And yep. it came back around because at some point the children's uh, tummies hurt when they get cookies for breakfast, lunch and dinner. At some point, the children going to say, this is I'm, I'm not growing anymore. I'm still f- four foot one and I'm 20. How did this happen? Well, you ate cookies for breakfast, lunch and dinner and the same happens to your spirit. So here's my question to the audience. Let me put it out eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. We say we don't like the things that are out there, but how many of you are clicking on the things that you know? I'm talking shade room for the for the folk who are melanated, I'm talking all of the edges, snatching headlines, the things that are gossipy. We're going to talk about little Boosie today. How many of y'all spend time, how much of your time is spent on things that do not nourish you? And you know it doesn't nourish you, but you, you're, like, you're thinking it's harmless, but it's really not. It's really not. And I can't wait to have this conversation on Monday. For you as a content producer, is there an equal and opposite? This is science, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Is there an equal and opposite to the the blather, the the nonsense put out by Ben Shapiro and the Candace Owens and the and the thing that gave rise to a Donald Trump? Is there an equal and opposite, Pete Dominic?
1: Is there an equal and opposite in general in the genre of talk? I would say no. Certainly not in terms of there's two categories that you could be asking about. It's kind of you're leaving that open. There's certainly not anything like that on the left or in progressive media or there just isn't. No one in progressive media has that many listeners and makes that much money. And more importantly, no one in progressive media is the tail that wags the dog in terms of making, in this case, democratic or progressive lawmakers at the state or national level from not making them influence in them the right legislation, AOC and Bernie Sanders aren't influenced by the most powerful name in progressive media. They just they're, they're really not. That's not how it works. That's not the feedback loop. That's not the case on the right. And part of that is just in terms of the way that people think and the way that they they take in contact and content and how they want whether they want detail and nuance and thoughtfulness the way they get in your conversation my conversation even on an NPR type format or do they want someone you know really animated and divisive and screaming about who goes in the bathrooms at the schools like that's good mm. stuff
0: mm. all right uh Candace Owens, whose name I rarely evoke, uh, just because you say a person's name, you keep them alive. I believe that with my whole heart. Yeah. Uh, her latest rant is about uh, therapy, therapy. We don't, Therapies are made up. It's a liberal thing. It's, you know, the right, the left has made, the, you know, we're all mentally ill. And I went to therapy and it didn't help me. Um, obviously, obviously it didn't help you because you are a mess. But I think about those harmful things you know during the during the pandemic and all all of the harmful things people who are vaccinated were anti-vax on their platforms there's something about the dishonesty beyond the flame throwing. because I think both of us have personalities that people will be drawn to either they love it or they hate it and those are both good emotions because you're gonna tune in especially if you can't stand us you're still gonna tune in we know that that is key metrics but we're not going to tell people things that will harm them right even if we Tell them good things and in, in a passionate way. Not knowingly. Not no, knowing true. I'm sure I have, but not on purpose. Right. Right. <laughs> not not as a business model. So let me just give people. So I didn't know who Dave Steven Crowder was until this week. I never yeah. heard the name. Yeah. Clearly, he's not in my universe. I don't listen to him. Didn't know who he was. Daily Wire never clicked on it until today. I've never been on the website until today. It is um, an aggregate of news. I'm putting up air quotes and there's some news stories. They have a story about Donald Trump uh, having to drop his lawsuit against Letitia James. They had that up there, which is a great news story because it was frivolous and he got fined a million dollars for even, you know, and it's a warning, like keep, Keep going, buddy, and we're going to find you because and you're not going to be uh you know like the outcome, so he dropped his lawsuit against the a g of New York, right, so that' was on the site, but they also have a paywall where you get access to the racist horrible Ben Shapiro, the racist horrible Candace Owens, and others, and they wanted to hire and bring onto the platform Stephen Crowder, who apparently has this amazing uh following on YouTube, and I think it's what is he have like thirty thirty million three million. million, 3.9 million. I think he has 3.9 million subscribers to his YouTube channel because I went on there today. Here's what they were offering him, y'all. $50 million for four years with a a, um, clause to re-up for an additional two years for $25 million. And Steven Crowder turned it down and then went on his YouTube channel and talked about it and then the founder or the co-creator of daily wire did an hour long his last name is boring that was the most boring i tried to listen to the whole thing it was so yeah. boring. I like you got the right name pete what what do you know about this story let me, let me try to for, for
1: folks who who hadn't heard about this controversy i'll just try to give you a little background and then i'll tell you why it's really important there's a very important point to be learned about this which is that conservatives don't actually believe in so much of the principles that they espouse. specifically. I mean, it's easy to talk about moral principles, but around economic principles, like something like the free market, the constantly talking about the free market. And in this situation, Steven Crowder stupidly explains, I don't even realize, I'm not sure he even will ever realize how embarrassed he should be for not understanding free market principles that he espouses, because this is all the whole deal was Crowder basically. Got this offer from The Daily Wire to come join them for like fifteen million dollars a year or fifty million dollars over four years. But in the contract, which he put up on camera and showed everybody, it had all these clauses which were if you get deplatformed from YouTube and your show no longer is allowed to appear there. We, we're, we will be paying you 25% less in this deal per year. And, the, and it goes on to talk about other platforms. If you lose your platform on Twitter or w- Facebook was another big one. And he went and showed this to everybody. And his argument was, his whole thing was the Daily Wire. He never, he, he cleverly never said their name, but which is also not clever. And I, he's probably thinking about legal issues, but he, he said, they're in bed with the big tech because they're for silencing me. The Daily Wire, if YouTube no longer allows me to spew my horrible hatred and dangerous rhetoric and misinformation, if they no longer allow that, then they're gonna take me off YouTube and the Daily Wire is not gonna support me, which means the Daily Wire is lying about who they are. They're not conservatives who believe in free speech and it's just the most bizarre argument for anybody to make because the bottom line is you, care, know, and anybody that knows that works in business or works in media, it's simple. Listen, we're signing you, Stephen Crowder. We're giving you a ton of money because you can generate a ton of money and views on YouTube, on Facebook, and all these things in ad revenue. And that's why we're going to go into business with you. And they're saying, but if you can't, we're not going to pay you that money. That's the most normal deal. There's nothing controversial about that. But Crowder thinks he's making an, an argument about how Therefore, they're they're on the side of YouTube, YouTube, Twitter, Final Point, Facebook, all the rest of them. They have their right to get rid of anybody, any one of us they want. They do. They can. Same, I no longer work at XM, not because of any hard feelings. They got rid of my channel. I, they built me. I got nothing but great things to say about my experience there. But they didn't resign me. I didn't. I was. I wasn't even bitter, much less like filing a lawsuit. Like that's business they killed the channel whatever like things happen and you don't go make them public and 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 say it looks so horrible for him makes the daily wire look pretty smart but we'll see who wins in the minds of the MAGA movement because
0: he's got the microphone i was gonna say he's bigger than the daily wire even if they have all of these other things because i don't even know what a daily wire is uh and but this the 50 million dollars though because i always tell folk, if they're willing to pay you X, that means you're bringing in at least three times that. So they said Ben Shapiro is making a $100 million a year. Pete Dominic, I'm like, a $100 million a year? Are you... What? How? 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 Look, How? He's...
1: That, he's it's so hard for me because I started doing this so much longer than both those guys did. And even worse, Steven Crowder used to say that he was a New York City stand-up comedian. I am or certainly was for 15 years you know a new york city comedian in every possible way every new york city comedian that i came up with at that time knew me and i knew them and nobody knew him because he was lying amy schumer called him out on red eye about that it was wonderful people should go look that up but he's so it's it's hard to know how much quote better they're doing than me but as i said earlier like i, I don't end up I mean, more than a moment of, of envy because i would never do what they're doing which is what's required to get those types of numbers and only works really on the right. There's nothing like that in any way where we're talking about anti-racism or anti-sexism okay. or renewable mm, energy.
0: I, I believe, is it because they're not enough? So eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. 801 8255 I don't get involved in left-right politics because I don't think people even divvy themselves up that way, except people who think they're on the left or on the right. These become like... Labels and talking points more so than actual identity. I think people vote like if you live in New York or New Jersey, which, you know, I'm in the tri-state area. You can have a Republican governor for two years and you can have a Democratic governor for two years. You can have a Republican mayor. Then you can have a Democratic mayor. Dumpster fires both of them. Giuliani to Adams. But but it goes back and forth. Because people are not Republicans or Democrats. They are star chasers or star effers. Like, we like who we like. It's not even about whether somebody is qualified. I like that name. I like how that person talks. I like how they carry themselves. So it's more that than anything. So my question is, it, not more so than there are not enough people on the right who care about truth, justice in the American way, whatever that is. But I just feel like th- there's, a, there's a, a part in people's salivary glands or something that is not being touched that it's only a matter of time before there is going to be somebody that speaks the right things that cares about human beings obama had it if we're going to be you know if if he were a social media person he could have gotten those numbers
1: i think i disagree i agree with you but you know i think i disagree only because of what we see so just if we're just talking about media and not necessarily even politics. And if we eschew the labels entirely, uh, the question I'd put out to you and everybody in this case is take one format, anyone you want really, but certainly let the easiest one that everybody knows is cable news. Fox News every single night for years and years and day just crushes the other two major news platforms, CNN and MSNBC together. And, and, and I think anybody who wants to can answer why. And that's where I start. And then we can talk about podcasts and YouTube and why they Mm -hmm. do well versus anybody that's without using any labels, anybody else, period, on almost any platform. And by the way, it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of amazing voices that are, I'm trying not to use labels, uh, but that aren't, (laughs) you know, these screaming maniacs I'm going to say on the right, there's lots and lots of them are doing well. I'm doing okay, but I'm not making, you know, I drive used cars. I have an above ground pool. My That's kids are hilarious. going to state schools. I mean, mm. you know, I'm pretty excited about All right. that.
0: All right. Well, Unless let's, I let's... wear flannel. Yeah. Speaking of kids, and Deborah, call back, 866-801-8255. I uh, would love to get your perspective. I think you were going to say something really interesting. Uh, and I know Pete and I talk too much, uh, maybe. So, uh, And I promise to get to the callers a lot quicker today. On the kids' front, um, you saw what DeSantis is, is doing in Florida? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I pay close attention. One of my closest friends in the world is the president of the Florida Education Association, the biggest teachers union in the state. And Carla Hernandez, who ran with Charlie Chris, is also a good friend. And I'm very plugged in with what's happening specifically in Florida's education system. So, yeah.
0: So AP classes, which are those advanced classes. uh, Yes, advanced placement. Advanced place for the the quote unquote smart kids, because I really feel like the way we label classes and students is absolutely wrong and fundamentally it undermines how children actually learn but that's another story for another Don't day give me let's do a whole
1: hour on yeah. that one day i have yeah. very important thoughts that are from my own life experience yeah go ahead
0: yeah yeah uh, so florida offers ap classes in european history uh in japanese history <laughs> german italian history spanish language and culture now the governor of florida Florida has said that Florida students m- cannot learn African American history. Uh, this is his latest. Although he's, I think he's doing some African American Black History Month celebration. How are you going to do Black History Month, sir, if none, if your students cannot learn Black history? It is weird. Um, his Black
1: History, no, his Black History is where Black people know their place.
0: Oh, that, oh, okay. I, I'm not familiar with that one. What was oh, this? Garmed? What what was what happened then? What when was this? Pete Dominic, educate me. It was. when did uh, black it, people I, know
1: their place? When it's it's today in the minds of a, a lot of people. I mean, it's it's certainly what really obviously bo- has bothered people for generations. Equality. Is a thing that bothers people because it makes obviously for for any number of uh, of reasons people think that are all made up that they're losing something if others are are gaining something so it's just a it's an equality thing as you know but I mean this is a really dangerous and really serious and I was going to make more jokes about how I support it because I don't want my white daughters to feel bad about the things they learn about America. Uh, and I've heard that argument. I've legitimately heard that argument. I argued with other parents at my kid's school district over this, all these people who are anti-CRT. And I'm over here on the microphone arguing with them board meeting after board meeting. And, you know, the parent comes up and says, I don't want my kids to feel badly that they're American, feel badly that they're white. And I said, listen, he's like, these schools have to stop teaching my kids to feel bad about their the color of their skin. And then I went up and I said, if your white kids feel shame because they're white, that's not the school's fault. That's because you're a shitty parent like that's bad parenting. If your kid comes home and says, I feel badly about my whiteness and you don't know how to have a conversation with them, then you're not that good at you shouldn't be a parent. And I got booed and it was the most (laughs) glory I've ever had in my life.
0: They actually booed you.
1: Oh, they 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 threatened my family for weeks after that.
0: With what? What were they gonna do to your family? They, they
1: did something. What? I can't talk about it publicly. I'll call you as soon as we're done. But they oh they called God. in a false they called in a false complaint about me. This, as, as, yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. It came from me. Hard. I mean, so 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 what's fascism the logic is-
0: there? You said something that that I that I am a bad parent, but I didn't like it. So I'm going to threaten you and threaten your family because you, instead of like, if it doesn't apply, I always say to people, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Like if it doesn't, if you don't feel well, that way, was, so. Was,
1: I'll give them credit, it was deeper than that. I was a really strong a- advocate. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a well-known guy and I'm in my school district advocating strongly for these two people that I supported to to be on the Board of Education. We were in a Board of Education election campaign and I was very outspoken and well known. And I was I was ha- I was being very effective. So they silenced me and they did. They silenced me because I couldn't because conti- my wife was like, you got to stop making so much noise. They're threatening our family. And I was like, you're right. And, you know, it was horrible.
0: Wow. So that's all it takes is uh, to take. no, no, just- no, I don't mean that in, in a yeah. you know negative way. Yes, your family should always come first. Um, your family should always come first i just don't do think though martin luther king who had uh not no not that you should be in that position who had his home firebombed who was stabbed uh when he was in uh in chicago or was it chicago well, or, it, it was a, the reason yeah. why it's the reason why well meaning really
1: you know well intentioned white folks don't do any, don't do things because, hey man, I am so sorry. This is the situation that we're in, that you're in, that the systemic, the system is in. But you know, I, don't, I, I, I'll do whatever I can. But I don't want to put a target on my back. I have a pretty comfortable life, and you know, I've been outspoken my entire career, and I've always, you know, believed that the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. It's my favorite quote, and that you have to be the change you want to see. So I was out there alone. Uh, And it was and they came for me. And, uh, you know, it was the last two weeks before the campaign, but we won. I continued to do other things. I just wasn't as outspoken on Facebook and at the board meetings for a couple of weeks because of what they uh, they basically did. But, you know, just make no mistake, fascism is real. But that doesn't mean that you can be silent. You also don't have to make noise like I'm making noise. I triggered them like you can knock on doors, you can volunteer in campaigns. There's so many things that you can do anonymously to support good people getting into office that believe in reality and live on Earth One.
0: But you don't have to, right? So so Martin Luther King took the firebomb and the stabbings and kept marching and getting beaten and kept marching and getting arrested and kept marching because it was always going to be a colors only sign somewhere until uh, there was always going to be inequity somewhere for him and his children. So he was, he, you know, Evers, you know, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop selling life insurance. We're going to go out and start, uh, you know, with the threats and everything. Uh, literally they shot him in his driveway bullet hole through his house where his children would sit and watch television. I've been to that house. There's a bullet hole in the refrigerator. Um, so at any point in time, his family, but you know, there's something to, to lose and gain through, you know, through your silence, you know, it's bigger than you for a person who is melanemic, eh, you know what you, okay. I, I'm good. No matter what, do you know what I'm saying? There's no, there's no, there's no, um, if you don't do it, there's nothing that changes in your life. Other than I, these annoyances the, the, for other people,
1: well, the famous quote that Dr. King in in his letter from a Birmingham Jail, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizens' counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted devoted to order than to justice. And I read that for the first time. I probably told you this, but I was like, oh, he's talking about me. He's talking about me and I'm not, I've been a moderate in terms of my politics. Uh, it could never be described that way, but in terms of what you do is what Dr. King, what do you actually do? And that's what you're saying. And you know, I, I think that to live a life of of purpose and integrity is to try to make things better in the world. And I think that if you're not doing that in some way, like it's just my personal opinion. So that's why I've always been involved in 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 civil rights and human rights, and and I'll never stop. And I also think it's important to do as I raise my daughters for them to see that we're very involved in in these movements, and that they should be as well because uh, of everything that we learned from the people whose shoulders we're standing on.
0: Hmm. Oh, I got? I got to process this eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Because I wonder, you know, I think about um, as you're talking, John Brown. <laughs> I think about John Brown, right? You know, right
1: to John Brown. I mean, we yeah, could've... no, I mean, because how about we start with McConaughey Didn't he play <laughs> Who, Matthew,
0: Brown? the one that doesn't bathe that one. Yeah. No, I'm going to go straight to John Brown because I don't think we've seen a John Brown in this generation. In my mother's generation. I don't think we've seen a John Brown in the last, I don't think since John Brown, have we seen a John Brown since John Brown? Let's, let's, let, let me just, let me just think about this. Cause I want to think before I talk, this is foolishness Friday and my friend, Pete Dominic is here. Stand up with Pete. Go find him. He is. Uh, he does this every day, and it's an amazing uh, conversation that he's been doing, been having for the better part of fifteen years. Um, do you get tired? Are you, are you yeah. hopeful? Yeah, for
1: sure, for sure, I do. But I've got a pretty good like spiritual practice going that I re- renew almost every morning, pretty Which well. Which is
0: what? Tell us.
1: I do. I try to do something I call. I, I named it twenty twenty twenty. 20 minutes of meditation then i read 20 minutes which is usually like something philosophical i've been reading a lot of buddhism and then i write uh-huh. in my journal whatever nonsense comes out and it provides me with a kind of clarity and peace of mind that i need to reset every day so that i don't go not so that i don't i don't uh have too much darkness. I don't deal with like depression or anything. I don't I wouldn't want to even compare myself. But I have, you know, I mean like like anybody else. I want to live a fulfilled life and so that's my practice and I'm 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 selling it as hard as I can, especially to men.
0: I love that. When did when did that become part of your daily practice uh, my
1: wife left me and then my daughter was having problems with me and I realized that it was me.
0: When what? Did I know you when your wife left you? She came back. Okay. All right, good. You know what? That takes a lot. I'm, wa- I'm watching Abbott Elementary, and there was a a scene where uh, Barbara, played by my friend Shirley Ralph, apologizes to one of the students, and he was like, "You know, no adult has ever done that. You know, it's like mm. to hum. It's not even a humbling. It's like an acknowledgement that mm, I was wrong. That's what most people want to hear. I was wrong. I apologize." And, you know, what you did was akin to that, I think. And this is self actualization. I would hope for you know,
1: what's one thing I've just really learned that's super important, again, especially for men, but it's not obviously gender ex- exclusive. It's when when someone says something to me that is triggering offensive, di- just disrespectful. I, as you know, am a trained talker. So within a second, A short amount of time, I come back strong and hard and sharply and put you in your place. And that surprisingly doesn't work out great and human to human relationship, uh, much less father to daughter, husband to wife. And so I had to kind of start to understand that I, I don't get to and it's not helpful to react every time I'm triggered or disrespected or cut off in traffic or or any of that. And when I started really learning, I, I, led, I read this through reading a lot of Pema Chodron's uh, taking the leap specifically. When I started learning to let that moment go, I realized the next moment was so much better as a result. So my ego that needed to react because I was disrespected took a beat. And then it meant the next moment, hour or day wasn't filled with anger and chaos and fighting. It was filled with. Joy and happiness, just because I didn't need to have an emotional or any reaction to that moment, which was rightfully wrong you she she or you were wrong to do it. it was wrong, but my reaction made everything so much worse, and that was such a huge lesson for me at forty seven
0: Wow, you know, um, I used to have a wicked temper, which was rooted in this like the same as you, like my, my clapback game is ferocious and nasty and brutal. I want you to cry. I want Mm. you to curl in a ball, never come up. Like my, my whole, my, my whole process was, I'm going to make it so that you never think about saying anything or doing anything again. But you know, it's almost like, so, you know, you can do that. And you wouldn't want to do that with people that you actually love, right? So these are people that you love, but it becomes such a habit that you're like, why am I acting this way? And then you realize I should love everybody. And just because somebody is being disrespectful, there's a way in which you can engage with them so that that doesn't happen anymore. Like my thing is like, why, I'm going to ask, why are you being disrespectful? You know, now I'm gonna ask. I'm not going to put you in your place and make you feel what I'm feeling or what you are trying to make me feel. I'm gonna ask you why, you know, who hurt you, who raised you? Were you raised to be this way? Like I'm, I'm gonna ask you some questions that are gonna make you examine your life. And if you are still being disrespectful, then you lose the ability to communicate with me, which I think is really the the most, uh, you know, the punishment I can give somebody is banishment, right? So, but I love what you're you're talking about. I wish. More of us, and I'm still working on that. Because in my yeah, mind, I've still, I've been I'm through. Still. I just
1: basically realized I had real, always have had a really tight relationship with my girls. And Ava's turning 18 tomorrow. They're wow. amazing. Wow. They're amazing. They're both wow. birds and cages that need to be set free. And I can't wait as hard as it'll be, but that that's exactly by design. But I like started having like a, a few arguments with her that I never had. And I realized it was the same thing. Like she was being wrong and doing things that were disrespectful, but my reactions to them were making everything worse. For us, for her, for me, they were eroding the future investment in my, my relationship with, with her and trust and respect. And that to me is something that, to me, I I worked so hard to create that trust, that respect and bond with my daughter her entire life, including, you know, cutting my career in half to be with her. I invested everything I have to be wealthy is to have time with that that girl, now a woman. And to see that potentially be eroded by something that I could I could change by reacting differently was something I, I I realized I needed to do, but didn't know how to do it. So in addition to just talking with people and a therapist and identifying problems. I began this practice because the problem was, final point about it, which is so important for everybody to know, you can change today, but to be good again tomorrow, for me, I realized, and I think for a lot of people, this is the case. You have to have a practice where you literally sit and remind yourself who you want to be today. And I do that every day, every day and it sets my day and my intentions, and then when someone does disrespect me or trigger me or anything, I'm more ready. I'm not. I'll never be perfect. I'm more ready, literally, to not react than to use the lethal weapon that I have in my voice and wit to destroy you and and put you in your place, thus creating more damage as opposed to future investment in joy and love.
0: Mm, That's so beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing. I didn't know we were going to talk about that, uh, Pete Dominic. We're going to talk about abolitionists. Now, we're we're going to get back to the abolitionists, but we're in a 40, I'm in a 40 day, uh, on a 40 day journey that I'm going to reset every 40 days. February 1st is the next, uh, 40 day period It's the second that, you know, every 40 days I'm examining the things that I want to get done and, and it's, you know, uh, reset, build on it, reset, build on it until the end of the year. And this is part of it, you know, being better, being a better person, all of those things and create the life you know to be, be able, to be able to create the life you want to live you first have to create yourself the self that you want to be, the self that you're comfortable being fix with. Systemic problems.
1: You yes. have to fix your own system to live sustainably. You have to be able to sustain your own living. I just talked to reporter Emily Atkin about that. Just dealing with depression and, and anxiety. She, she's a climate change reporter. So she's trying to help advocate and educate to fix systemic, make systemic changes. So to fight the climate crisis, to adapt to it. And she's like yeah, so worn out with her own work, Karen. She wrote this great piece about it. Resilience that she was like, I need to be sustainable myself first which is what you were saying I'm sorry to, to interrupt but that's what you were saying yeah
0: uh, so let's get back to this abolitionist which you are not John Brown that's the only person I can think of that like put it all out there brought his kids and you know it's like oh this thing this this injustice this slavery thing untenable and I'm willing well, to think- go to the mat and we're gonna, we're gonna fight it out like we're gonna overthrow the government we're gonna do all of the things this is gonna stop
1: I think John Brown, when you look into, you know, a lot into him, he's a complicated dude and, and some could argue that he, he had some, some serious mental issues. And no,
0: we're not gonna but, argue that. Who would argue that?
1: Because of the, the tactics and techniques. And of course, it, be, it would look crazy to family. people,
0: but so is slavery. Doesn't that look crazy to have people in bondage? Yeah, but that, the idea, I mean, the idea that's of- crazy.
1: The idea of putting like the idea of saying in in, until this system changes, my family's all going to die in this house today. It's like you're only killing your family. You're not necessarily creating sustainable change. But that's I don't mean to minimize his abolition. What I want to do say is abolition today, I think like I don't think we can compare to the 1860s. Today's abolitionists, I think, are there's not nearly enough, but they're in every community. And in and, and the country, their neighbors and, and, and lawyers and social workers and teachers and, and artists and musicians and business leaders even and organizers that I think are today's abolitionists, especially you know people my, my daughter's age. I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed with a lot of the work. Mm, that There's that
0: a difference between being abolitionist, which Charles Sumner, there's a whole bunch of people who are abolitionists and John Brown, who was a white man who had all of the privilege, did not have to put his whole entire life, family and things on the line. In the wake of something that was absolutely abhorrent and unjust, there's nobody like that. I don't think since him.
1: I mean, I just think it's a tough comparison. I guess what it would, what, what what I guess what would that look like today? Uh, today,
0: uh, it would look it would like, like a- it would look like you telling if, if we're using you, and I don't want to use you as an example, but in that situation where they threatened you, um not making, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this (laughs) on these airwaves, it would look different, you know, like uh, you wouldn't have stopped because there would have been an equal and opposite reaction to the threat that would stop people from, you know, because I feel like bullies don't stop, you know, bullies don't stop until they meet their, uh, there's a butcher for every cow until they meet that butcher, you know, they're gonna keep going. It's a lot more,
1: I, I hear you and I think that's true. But I think it's more complicated. Certainly it was in, in my case. I'm and, sure, you know,
0: I'm, just and use you as an example, not as a the real, like this is what you should have done. Well, I didn't stop,
1: just to be clear. And the like, I don't wanna, the, the outcome of the work that I directly advocated for was to kill an NBC news story that was going to take a young black student in our high school and make her look like the aggressor in a fight where she was the victim. I didn't stop. I actually got that story killed. And I'd love to tell you that story one day. And I'm super proud of that. I'm very close with that family over this issue, though. It broke up my marriage again because of. so what I did stop doing is I stopped, to be clear, mouthing off in a way that only made people angry because that was good. I was entertaining and I I got off on that and it felt powerful, but it didn't advance. The, the the cause. So, so I will never, ever stop advocating as an anti-racist and an anti-sexist, but I have to do it in a way that is effective and that works and that moves the ball forward and allows me to move forward too, as opposed to, you know, breaking up my family because I just needed to run my mouth on a microphone or on a Facebook
0: post. Facts. Got it. Uh, there was a woman on TikTok and, uh, she goes by the name of teach them kindness, which is a nice TikTok handle. Teach them kindness. I think she's pretty much an abolitionist. I'm gonna I'm play this clip. It's, it's uh, two minutes long. Let's, let's do that quickly, Smith. I
2: have a theory about why black women and white women are having such a hard time getting along. And it starts with a story. When I first started teaching, I was in a teacher training program with three other women. Two of them were black and one of them was Indian. And we started teaching at the same school, the same grade at the same time. One of these women, a black woman, completely excelled. She did so much better than I did at literally everything. Classroom management, her test scores were high. She was excellent at literally everything. And something about her excellence didn't sit right with me. I just didn't feel good about it and I couldn't figure out why I didn't feel good about it. It was internalized racism, but I didn't know that yet. So I had to sit with this idea of her being better than me and trying to figure out why it didn't feel good and feel comfortable for me. And of course at the time I didn't know that I needed to do the work of anti-racism so I didn't think it was possibly because I could have internalized racism. I had to do a lot of study and thought about myself and what could possibly be making me feel this way about this woman. And here's what I discovered. Most of the media that I had consumed up to that point in my life had white people as the central characters. And the shows and and other media that I consumed that had white women at the central characters often had black women as the side characters. These black women's role in these movies was to assist the white women, support the white women, advise the white women, but never to rise above the white women even shows that were about black women like The Help had white women as the central character and the black women as supporting characters. So I internalized the idea that black women were there to support me and to advise me, but not to rise above or become better than me. And that's why when this black teacher was way better and more talented than me, I felt some kind of way about it. Now, I'd imagine lots and lots more white women have also internalized the same idea. And that's why they feel okay stealing black women's content and not giving them any credit because the black women are just there to advise them anyway. But most black women are natural leaders. Society has forced them to become leaders. And so we need to step aside and let them lead. Even if it means checking our privilege and letting them lead us.
0: <gasps> yes. Pete dominant.
1: I think that that's very, uh, you know, amazing that that woman was awakened about things that she had been conditioned. And I'm so, I feel so grateful that I was raised to understand that. And more importantly, uh, around, you know, diverse group of people in my family. And that i never i hearing her talk was interesting because like i was like yeah i don't think i can really relate to to that per se and i think that's good it's because i i you know all those things weren't weren't conditioned to me a lot of them certainly some of them are but they're conditioned into all of us seeing certain people certain genders certain races in certain jobs is something that we all kind of sometimes are surprised by because we're not conditioned to see them in those jobs or in those positions, for sure, that's that's always there. But it's hard. It it, it it matters where you start. It matters where you open and it matters if you are open and stay open. And that's why it's so wonderful. That word woke was always so wonderful and so terrible that it's been stolen. Speaking of which, as she's mentioned, and kind of demonized, because it's such a wonderful way to say enlightenment and curiosity about anything from black to white to, you know, people who are disabled, et cetera, you know, whatever.
0: Pete Dominic, you are amazing. Uh, Stand up with Pete. The podcast is everywhere. Check him out. Come on back anytime, sir. I love you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on SiriusXM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the SiriusXM app.